0: Hello, and welcome to another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast on Legal Talk Network. I'm Molly Rands And I'm Joanne
1: Hathaway. We're very pleased to have Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile join us today as our podcast guests to talk about collaboration tools, technologies, and tips. So Dennis and Tom, would you please share some information about yourselves with our listeners? And Dennis, we'll start with you.
2: Well, it's great to be here, and uh, and I'm a relatively new member of the Michigan Bar, so this is especially exciting for me, but uh, I've been a, a lawyer for a long time, retired as an in-house counsel at uh, MasterCard, and my retirement has now taken me to both Michigan State Law School and University of Michigan Law School, where I'm doing some teaching, and I'm currently the Interim Director of Michigan State's Center for Law, Technology, and Innovation, and I've been involved in the world of of legal technology for for many years uh, and written, podcasted, blogged, and done about everything else in in terms of uh, communicating about uh, the role of technology in the practice of law, including just starting to do some TikTok videos.
3: Hi, Joanne and Molly. My name is Tom Mile. My day job, I'm a, I'm a lawyer by trade. I was a lawyer for 18 years, but I've been a consultant now for about the last 10 years. I work for a company called Contoural. We are an information governance company. We help organizations get control over their records and information. Like Dennis, have been doing lots of writing, lots of podcasting, lots of speaking on legal technology over the years. The only thing that Dennis left out is that we are both the co-hosts of the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus uh, that we put out uh, usually twice a month and happy to be here.
0: Great. Thank you both so much for joining us. Tom, let's start with you. Are collaboration tools just for large firms?
3: Well, absolutely not. And, and it, that is, a I think, a misconception when lawyers who may be solo or small firm think about collaboration tools. They think, well, I don't have anybody to collaborate with. But think about that seriously. I, do you have anybody to collaborate with? If you have one client you're collaborating with them. If you have the courts, you're collaborating with them. If you have an assistant in the other room, you collaborate with them. Collaboration is really the idea of working with another person or people towards a common goal, whether that's on a case, on a transaction, on some other project that you have. So the number of people don't really matter for collaboration tools to work. It's just really how you get them to work and the specific tools that you have to use. Historically, large firms have started to use collaboration tools more frequently, but we are seeing many, many small, solo and small firms start to use the collaboration tools that they have in, in, in software and applications that they are already using, but also starting to make use of more uh, more tools as they go along. So there's no no size limit. No uh, Collaboration tools really apply to everybody and have a use for lawyers no matter who you're working with.
2: Yeah, I I just want to second what time... Tom said that a lot of times you think, well, I need something that's specifically this collaboration tool or the set of tools or a suite of tools, and it's going to cost millions of dollars and only only large organizations or large firms can do. But some of the most exciting stuff that's happening and some of the the, the things that uh, clients really appreciate, it's happened at the small firm level using very simple tools that are readily available and are also super easy for... For for clients to use, and so we do like to say that that law is by its nature a very collaborative profession, and and so I think that once you kind of step back and say what is it that we really do, and who all do we work with, you start to see that you are using collaboration tools, even if you don't define it, them as that. But it also shows you uh, some of the opportunities out there.
1: Thank you, and Dennis. If you take the lead on this, what have you learned during the last year and a half working from home?
2: I've learned a couple things. So one is I really enjoy working from home, and I really don't miss working the open office space I used to have at uh, at Mastercard. But I think what we all have learned is that the tools and the the internet infrastructure has evolved in such a way that we're now that we maybe just thought were barely possible a while back. So we're now on this this video call. We're super uh, familiar with how to do this. It's uh, you know I tend to use Zoom uh, Zoom meetings more than regular phone calls. So we've learned that we can do this. We've learned that people can work from home. We've learned that people can have flexibility. And there are tools out there like Zoom, like Slack, like Microsoft Teams that that we found we can actually work together uh, really efficiently and, and a lot of times much more effectively uh, using technology. And, and to me, just the fact that it's become so simple to schedule calls and find times on calendars and stuff like that, all these really small things have helped us. And then I think we've also used that to look at, I guess two things I would wanna say, we've looked at ways to make it easier to for clients to work with us and the the number of tools to do that and we've also kind of focused on the core thing of of what what is important to us. I remember back in March of 2020 when there were law firms like designating one of their employees, a a staff member, of course, not a lawyer, to go into the office to to open up the mail, to to get checks and make sure the bills were were being paid. And now you see this movement to online payments, client portals, those sorts of things has really started to happen. So I think people kind of said, hey, what would we sort of had the question of what Happens if we actually can't go into the office for an extended period of time, and that's opened the
3: door to, uh, to a lot of tools. I think that what's interesting to me, and this is an overused phrase, but I'm going to use it, is that people have said that legal technology advanced ten years in ten months. Uh, that we were that we started to be locked down, and I think that the general lesson there is that forcing everybody to go home forced a lot of. Changes in thinking about what tools to use, because the tools that Dennis was talking about are all tools that existed before the pandemic. It's not like they sprung up to meet a need that was was previously didn't exist. They were already there. Lawyers just discovered them for the first time and started using them a lot more. So I think that that you know, who as it says, never waste a good crisis. It it feels like we have come a long way using collaboration tools during the last year and a half. Zoom, as we say in the book that we're getting ready to put out, Zoom became both a noun and a verb over this period of time. And, um, but, but also new technologies have come up. I mean, there, there, you, noticed there's some technology companies have noticed that being on a flat zoom screen waiting for one person to finish talking so another could talk is just not an optimal experience for conferences for getting together and having more social events or other type of things so there's been a lot as an example a lot of expansion in what I would call the spatial audio space, where there are applications coming out that allow you to participate virtually, but you can literally virtually walk to one end of a room and have a conversation with one person, then walk to the other end of the, quote, room and have a conversation with somebody else. These tools weren't really in development that much before the pandemic, but now we're seeing the need of here's why needing to collaborate in a virtual environment is requiring us to think of new ways to use the technology we already have have. So it's I, I, as bad as the last two years have been working from home um, and the reasons why we've had to, there have been a lot of positive developments on the collaboration technology front.
0: Tom, starting with you on this one, why are audits and client surveys your favorite tools?
3: Well, they're favorites because because it's, it's not a good idea to start thinking about collaboration tools by just saying, hey, I'm going to make Zoom my collaboration tool with my clients and be done with it. We really think that to understand the tools that you need to use and how you're going to use them, you've got to understand both one, what you're currently doing, what you need to do, and then also what your clients are doing. The audit that we talk about is understanding the tools that you already have. Do you have tools that are capable, that have collaboration features on them that are, you can share or otherwise work with other people using those tools? If you don't, or if there's a lack, then figure out. All right, what are the gaps that are missing? And can I? Do I need to, a way to collaborate on documents? Do I need a better way to have meetings? Do I need a better way to uh, to sign transaction papers? What is the collaboration effort that I'm missing here? And then you want to turn those questions outward to your clients and say, What are you using? There are really a couple of reasons for that. The first is to understand one what they're using, so that it can make it easier for you to work with them you uh, will be able to use the tools that they have to the extent that they have them if they don't have a tool for something then they can use your tools second reason is sometimes the tool your client is using it tends to be much better and is something you never even thought about so we are learning from our clients too especially if you uh, tend to be working with corporations sometimes corporations tend to be ahead of the game on collaboration wise than uh, than law firms and lawyers are and so it's good to work with them to understand so that you may you may come away with that finding that there are other tools or techniques that you didn't know about that would be helpful for you, not just with this client, but with other clients.
2: I think that I, I, I do hate the term audit of uh, having once been a tax lawyer and still being a taxpayer. But I do think you want to get an understanding of what it is that you have. Because sometimes you're thinking like, oh, do I need to go out and shop for all these collaboration tools and and bring new stuff in when I barely feel like I'm touching the surface of what I already own? And you're going to find collaboration tools in your case management software, you're definitely going to find it in uh, Microsoft 365, the whole suite, and they're adding more and more tools. I think that's what's moved people to Microsoft Teams, but there's a lot happening there. And so I think you, you have this way of moving to collaboration without spending money because you may already own or be paying for tools that you can use. Then I'm just a huge fan of reaching out to your clients because... You you want to be able to to work with them easily and for them to work with with you easily. And as Tom said, you could find that you're kind of you know, just working away, trying to figure out like how are you going to come up with this collaboration tool to work with certain clients. And it could be that your client says, oh, we're going to need you to access our systems through this portal or to use this tool. And all of a sudden your collaboration issue, at least for that client, is is solved without cost to you because you're just using their tools. And I think that's that's sometimes an, an unexpected benefit that, that people don't appreciate.
1: And you've touched on this somewhat, but uh, a little bit more in depth, if you could tell us about matching the right tool to the job. And Dennis, let's start with you.
2: In collaboration, I, I think of this in a number of ways, but the sort of easiest one to grasp is the asynchronous collaboration versus synchronous collaboration. So when you look at tools like Microsoft Teams and Slack, although you can do some real time chat and other things, typically you're able to put information into a place or you're able to say, here's a task to do items, other things like that. And people can look at it whenever they're able to look at it. And then the synchronous tools would be like the classic phone call, conference call, or or Zoom meetings, where everybody has to be there together at the same time. And so, if you try to use a synchronous tool for something that's asynchronous, and having been at Mastercard, know we really had to a global company. We had to deal with this issue all the time. If you focus on a synchronous tool, then You either are forcing people in other parts of the world to to be on a phone call in the middle of the night or, you know, you're trying to find some weird, convenient time, uh, which can be difficult. So that's a, you know, one simple example that obviously doesn't occur for everybody. But if you're able to say, hey, we have a meeting, it makes sense to use a synchronous tool we have something that people, we want people's comments and we just want them to do that at a certain time. Um, you can do that. And so what you'll find is if you don't have that match, it's uncomfortable for people. So I sometimes see this in Zoom, where Zoom is actually very synchronous and it's very linear. So you can't really interrupt people, especially in a presentation and there are some other things. But Zoom has a chat function that allows you to communicate with other people, to ask questions, do other things like that. And it can be that feature can be really important. So you have the asynchronous versus synchronous. And then you're saying if if I want to, this is again where your your clients, what your clients are doing, can make a lot of sense to say, do they like to be use certain tools? Are they a Slack company? or they a Teams company? And then as you kind of, you say, what's the right platform? What's the right tool? And then what is the job that we're trying to do? And I think that just taking a little bit of time on that can make all the difference. And it gets you away from saying, there's this one collaboration tool that works for everything.
0: Tom, what are the best ways to get people to use the collaboration tools that you like to use?
3: Let's start first with the worst way to do it, um, and then we'll back into the best way. The worst way to get somebody to use the collaboration tools that you want to use is to just announce, we're going to use this tool and say, here, we're going on this project, we're going to be using this tool, and there it is, my way or the highway. From a change management perspective, forcing a tool on someone without anything more than that is almost never a good idea. And so... When you think about how you encourage others and and I guess encourage adoption and people to enjoy the tool that you're using, the first thing that you want to think about is, is this internal collaboration or external collaboration? Are you introducing this tool to people inside your firm? Are you introducing it to your clients or external colleagues to do things? Because the the motions and the thinking is going to be a little bit different. If you're thinking about uh, introducing a new tool to your office, then you have a little bit of lead time. You can start to introduce them and say, I'd really like for us to use this. Here's why it's good. Here's the what's in it for me. Here is the way that we're going to use it and why it will benefit all of us having some training materials or having uh, other types of resources available so that people can get a sense from it. Maybe they have a little bit of time to go in and test it out and play around with it. Maybe you have a training class that you introduce to people. But if you've got a firm and you're thinking about introducing a new tool, having a good change management process with them is, I think, a useful activity to have. Harder when you have a client or an external group of people that you want to collaborate with because you really can't force them to use the tool. I had this exact thing happen, not not in a work related environment, but with a volunteer group and I wanted to use a tool and nobody else liked it. And it generated very quickly into email uh, being the preferred method of collaboration, which we almost never like to see email being uh, a collaboration tool. So when you're working outside, it takes a little bit more uh, nuance to work with individuals, to get them to you know, give them some basics. You know, training may not be the right move with clients and others, but giving them a- enough information on how to use the tool, why it will help us work together better, be better collaborators, um, either as attorney client or attorney court or colleague or others. I think it's all about communication and communicating it correctly. And it's really the what's in it for me. How will this make us better that you want to uh, communicate to them rather than we just need to use this tool or otherwise I can't work with you. That approach is, is usually a failure. And I, I think it's good to think of collaboration as a an ongoing
2: process um, that will evolve and uh, hopefully improve. I sometimes uh, use the word co-collaboration, which, believe me, has not caught on. But the idea is that we would say, you know, we might have an idea of how we're going to work together, but it probably won't survive intact once we actually start working together. And that's why the client surveys notion is really important to say, okay, let's figure out what works best. And typically you're not going to be able to impose a, you know, a tool on someone. It's going to take some back and forth and some evolution.
1: Dennis, this can and has been a total standalone podcast, um, but can you discuss how important cybersecurity is right now?
2: Yeah, I I think that and I'm teaching a class at Michigan State called cybersecurity and and data protection. So I'm really uh, focused on this topic right now. I looked at. Uh, I just wrote in a something called the, a tech report uh, for the ABA's Legal Technology Resource Center, taking a look at the 2021 ABA Tech Survey results as they related to cloud computing. And there were a number of questions asked about cybersecurity and the practices that people have people use. And it is it is shocking how poorly uh, lawyers are addressing cybersecurity issues, even with sort of basic forms of of protection. So we already know that uh, ransomware is, is the biggest danger out there. Uh, we know that uh, for large corporate clients, uh, their biggest concerns are their law firms. Since I think it's 2010, the FBI has met with some of the biggest firms in the country saying, like, you really got to pay attention to cybersecurity. And this goes from big firm to small firm, huge security issue. Uh, especially in the family law area with uh, domestic violence uh, issues stalking those sorts of things can can really uh, cause problems or, or give people incentives to break into law firm systems so it's really difficult to overstate how important c- cybersecurity is now, and and also as a country, the infrastructure is being uh, you know probed and attacked uh, from state and non-state actors you know as we speak. So there's a lot happening out there. When you get into the world of collaboration, though, it, it kind of expands because then on my own, and as you say, if we're standing alone, we can kind of take care of our own uh, security and we can adopt best practices um, that work for us. But once we start collaborating, it really is the, you know, the the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And so that somebody else's bad security practices uh, can cause dramatic impact for me. And so you have to pay attention to every aspect of it. So, I don't think it's possible to overstate how Im- important uh, cybersecurity is these days. And if uh, we sometimes talk about the, uh, the lawyer's duty, ethical duty of technology competence, if you if, if you ask me the question, is anything required right now to be a technologically competent lawyer, I would say it has to be cybersecurity
3: and i would add to that second piece that dennis mentioned that i think the biggest change that came about with regard to cybersecurity over the last 2 years is that you know if you're working for a firm that had a you know it department had security fairly locked down like you are a castle that had a moat around it and you could protect everybody suddenly you expanded to Hundreds of thousands of castles all in their individual homes with individual security, with individual Internet connections, um, with all sorts of things that, uh, you know, a, tech, a law firm's in, in, information security group is going to have to think about. And uh, the fact that they're all collaborating with each other has just really expanded the I guess, canvas of threats that are available because the, the, the law firm or the security group is less able to protect that information when it's distributed like that. And that's, that's why I think education is important, um, making sure that uh, the, the right technology is being used everywhere. But it's, it's, a, it's a, I can't, I, I'll just echo what Dennis says. It's as big an issue as ever before. And I think that a lot of the ransomware you're seeing these days is taking advantage of that expanding canvas because of working from home.
0: All such interesting information and so helpful. Tom, starting with you, what are one or two tips that you'd like to leave with our audience today?
3: So my big tip that I'm going to... Uh, I i feel like I'm, I'm trying to sell a product here. Um, I really think that every lawyer can and should benefit from Microsoft 365. To me, for law firms, Microsoft 365 is the best collaboration tool you could invest in right now. It allows you to collaborate in so many different ways. You can collaborate on documents. You can have meetings. It's all contained within that. You can communicate with people via text message. Um, It's all contained within that. the universe of Microsoft 365. And a lot of organizations try to bootstrap collaboration tools by saying, I want this tool for this and I want this tool for that. Microsoft 365 makes it so easy and it, it it's really you know you used to be we would complain about Microsoft's capabilities in this area but they really have a quality product and I, I think that's my my biggest my biggest one um I think that actually let me pause I, I've gone a long time let's let Dennis give any tips he's got and I may close out with a tip
2: so that's a great tip that that Tom has and he's totally convinced me on that and that is an example of, of you know Microsoft 365 a lot of a lot of listeners probably already have it so I have uh, two really simple ones so one is I think you want to make yourself really easy to work with I think that's going to distinguish you in the market and in the law firm world of the thing to think about Is client portals. So if you think how easy it's become to work with your doctor uh, and through a patient portal, client portals are sort of the legal equivalent of that. And the other one is, I think you want to look at one of these tools um, that you're most comfortable with right now or that you see would have provide the most value to you or your clients and just decide that in 2022, you're going to get really good at that tool. So I think Zoom is a a great target for that. Uh, Microsoft Teams could be another one, but just pick one of them and get really good at it. So people say, I don't know much about this lawyer, but I know they're really good at Zoom or Teams or some other collaboration tool and they're easy to work with.
3: Last tip that I have, and I'll make it really quick, is one of the dangers you fall into when you start working with clients and others on collaboration tools is that you find that, Everybody wants to use a different collaboration tool, and you may find yourself in 10 different silos using 10 different kinds of tools. Be careful about that because I think that that although Dennis is, says make yourself easy to work with, don't make yourself that easy to work with. You need to establish some boundaries and make sure that you're limiting yourself to a, to a manageable number of tools so that it doesn't drive you crazy and you don't have information spread out all over the place.
1: Well, it looks like we've come to the end of our show today, but before we leave, I would like to point out to our listeners that Tom and Dennis are both authors many times over, and relevant to today's podcast presentation, they have authored The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, and this is published through the ABA Law Practice Division. This is the second edition, and they actually have their third edition coming out in the first, hopefully the first quarter of 2022. State Bar of Michigan members can receive a 15% discount on this and other ABA publications. Just look under the membership benefits portion of our website, and if you have any trouble finding that, please don't hesitate to reach out. So we'd like to thank our guests today,
0: Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile, for a wonderful program. Dennis and Tom, if our guests would like to follow up with you, how can they best reach you?
2: I think that uh, for Michigan people, especially, uh, you can just email me. That's dmk at denniskennedy.com. And, or you could even uh, use my uh, MSU address, which is uh, kenne514 at msu.edu. And then I'm DennisKennedy.com. I'm at Dennis Kennedy on Twitter and uh and LinkedIn is another place you'll you'll find me. So lots of ways to reach out to me and I'm happy to help people.
3: I'll make it simple. Uh two best ways to get in touch with me, reach out to me either on LinkedIn at Tom Mile or on Twitter at Tom Mile. I will respond in both places.
0: Thank you both so much. This has been another edition of the State Bar of Michigan's On Balance podcast. I'm Joanne Hathaway. And I'm Molly Rands. Until next time, thank you for listening.
4: Thank you for listening to the State Bar of Michigan on Balance Podcast, brought to you by the State Bar of Michigan and produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find the State Bar of Michigan and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download Legal Talk Network's free app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network or the State Bar of Michigan or their respective officers, directors, employees,